Hello, welcome to Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. This podcast is brought to you by Kimray. You can visit us at kimray.com to see our full slate of quick tips, videos, and other training resources. I'm your host, Curtis Winkle, and I'm here with Kyle Andrews, Product Training Specialist at Kimray. Hey, Kyle, how are you? I'm doing good, Curtis. How are you? Good. Did I get your title right? Nope, you didn't. That's okay. <laughs> product, product training, product applications. Trainer. Trainer. Okay. I'm going to have you say you can. You said specialist, but that it falls just right in with what I do. So you're special. Okay. Yeah, you're special. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm excited today, Kyle, because we have a special guest. And our guest is Travis Richards, and he's the owner and CEO of Catco. Hey, Travis. What's going on, guys? Good to, good to have you, man. Really excited you're on the program. We do, yeah, I'm, I'm excited too. This is, you know, always exciting to talk to Kim Ray guys, of course. Uh, as we were talking beforehand, you know, Kyle and I know of each other, but we've never actually shaken hands before. And so this is, you know, these days, this is about as close as we can get to one another, I suppose. But uh, also, yeah. this is my first podcast ever. Always been a consumer, never a supplier. And so it's nice to get on this side of the equation. Absolutely. Yeah, you said you said you've got multiple ideas, so I can't wait to to hear them. <laughs> we'll see how we'll see how this one goes before yeah. we start rolling out. Yeah, we'll yeah. We'll see what yeah, yeah. see listener listener response. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's just start on the personal side a little bit, Travis. You're you're in the great state of Texas. Did you grow up there? What, what's kind of your personal history? I did. So so Catco is in Terrell, Texas, which is about half an hour east of Dallas, and this is where I grew up because it's a it, it's been a family business, and so my dad was working here, and so this is always where we lived. Um, I also another family thing. I went to Texas A&M, which is another legacy deal. And so uh, third generation there could never uh, no, had no hope of escaping that state. Uh, I was in the Air Force for six years. And then after that, I came back, started working here with uh, at Catco and um, have not found a reason to leave. And so that was nine years ago. And it's uh, yeah, been been a total blast. That's awesome. That's great. I knew you were a, uh, an A&M guy when I saw the ring. Is, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we we rarely try to hide it, you know what I mean. So <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh, yes. Hey, we've we've got a couple of Aggies here at Kim Ray, so and, and I'm sure that they make it very known. Yeah, like yeah. You, you don't have to ask. That's good. Now, what do you like to do besides work, Travis? You golf, punt? Yeah, run? well, I, I I do I do play golf, uh, not very well, but it, that that doesn't stop me. But yeah, uh, yeah I do I, I do play golf um uh, i just got married back in january and oh, so we uh we were like the last thing that happened before covid yeah. and so <laughs> it's like our, our wedding took on uh legendary status because it was like the last party that people went to so it was um we just um renovated a house like we did we had contractors do the work for us but we yeah. uh, Getting settled in there has been my other main hobby lately, uh, in addition to the golf. So between golf, Catco, and the house, that's about all I've got time for these days. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of Catco, let's let's dive into that. Uh, so full disclosure, Kim Ray, we do sell Catco heaters. We love them. We, uh, our customers love them. So tell us a little bit about the company, maybe somebody who hasn't heard of them before. So Catco is the catalytic heater company that was kind of the origin of the name and so uh you know the, the hard-working folks that uh in the natural gas business that are taking it out of the ground getting it to power plants businesses and homes uh, you guys at kimray know very well just brutal conditions in some cases right totally brutal conditions and 
often leads to great frustration, lost production, uh, ineffective uh, installations. And so uh, the last 35 years, we've been helping people overcome that. We make safe, flameless, explosion-proof heaters. Uh, they prevent freezing in valves and regulators. They heat personnel areas. They can uh, heat measurement equipment. And so the the people in the industry, in your engineers, technicians, whoever, they'll, they call us and they get some kind of a stock or custom heating solution. And we make sure that their site is not the one that's causing anybody trouble. We yeah. make sure that their site is the one that nobody has to worry about because it's operating hassle-free. So that's, that's Catco. That's what we do. We love helping people. Love it. Love it. Uh, we're going to, so let's talk, you mentioned your, your wedding and then COVID happened. So I'm curious, just I mean, anytime I talk to people from other businesses, I'm like, man, how did you guys make it through? What was it like, you know, and, and day, you know, day one, March 18th or whatever to now, uh, in April of 2020 or 2021, thank goodness, as we record, uh, what was it like yeah. on, on the inside of CatCo? <laughs> what did we do? You know, we did our best, right. That's, and I think that's just kind of what everybody did. Right. So, um, I remember the first day of the lockdown, you know, there's a lot of people that weren't going to work. And really one of the big things that I took away is just this incredible sense of gratitude and appreciation for our industry. Um, I had a lot of friends that, you know, didn't get the chance to go to work, right? Their, their businesses were closed, but being a service provider to our, you know, nation's infrastructure, we had to keep going to work, had to keep filling orders. And so our, our work didn't ever stop. So we stayed going throughout the whole time. And um, yeah, I mean, o overall, I think that we are a much stronger company today than we were a year ago. I mean, in this, it, what's the old saying? Uh, smooth seas do, don't create skilled sailors, right? So it's, right. it was rough, man. You know, like in addition to this, of course, we had oil prices dropping down and uh, a lot of challenges in the industry. But, you know, throughout, we just we did a great job of focusing on what we could control. We took responsibility for our choices and our attitude. And now that we're on the other side of it and things are starting to open back up again, we're, we're, we're so much stronger and, and better today than we Good. were when we started. That's great, man. Yeah. I love that. That's a, that's a great quote. I like that. Um, so uh, we wanted to talk about something that happened. Uh, what I guess, January, February, alongside not only were you dealing with the pandemic still, but Texas faced just unprecedented polar vortex coming yeah. down, froze things up. And so what what was that like? And did your products help in that space? The last time that you mentioned it was unprecedented, and this was obviously worse than what we'd seen in, in a really long time. But it's a little like in some ways, it's like people almost should have seen it coming. Like, I mean, 2012 or 2011, what I think was the last time that this happened. And, um, you know, in Texas, there were a lot of reports that were done by, um, you know, the national power people that advised that people should winterize and protect against these kinds of things so we don't have to do the blackouts. And uh, so it, it hit us again and it hit us harder. And so I think that the storm was just kind of a big wake up call for everybody. You know, I mentioned earlier the gratitude that you feel for being part of this industry. It's like anybody that works in oil and gas got a real close look at why their job is so important, because if we don't do our work and we don't get energy to people, then, hey, people don't get, you know, people don't have power. People don't have, you know, their water pipes freeze and it causes yeah. all of this destruction and misery. And so yeah. it's. It is a wake-up call to everybody, I think, and I think that it's going to convince people to be more proactive 
about freeze prevention and about winterization, um, because I think we've seen that the consequences, it's not just, oh, hey, our production might slow down or we might lose a little bit of efficiency. It's more like, hey, this has real consequences for our infrastructure, our way of life. I, I checked this morning knowing that I was going to be talking to you guys. So in Texas right now, there have been 25 bills proposed in the legislature um, as of this morning that address this issue in some way. So I, I think that when we get to the other side of it, we're going to see some mandates. We're going to see some requirements for uh, winterization and uh, freeze protection. Um, we'll, so we'll see what, what mandates come out of Austin for that. But I think that catalytic heaters are, are going to be part of that, part of that solution. Um, you know, this is what we do is we prevent freezing in these instrumentation and instrumentation and pipes and valves and regulators. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said about just the, the essential nature of our work when, when kind of the categories started coming out of like essential workers and I don't know, so it's not always something you think about when you, you just go to work every day, but, uh, but then, yeah, things like that happen. And then there's, there's, uh, like you said, there's uh, very, very dire consequences when people don't get their natural gas. And so it, it kind of put a spotlight on, on the industry and especially because uh, it seems that a lot of what you hear about the energy industry these days is always about what's wrong and, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of negativity about oil and gas business. And I think that in some ways it made people uh, really appreciate how important this is. And, you know, the other thing, guys, is that next time, you know, if, it, if this is really like a once in a 10 year kind of a deal, um, 10 years from now, there's going to be a lot more people in Texas. There's going to be a lot. All of us are going to have much higher energy needs. And so I think that it makes catching it before the next one even more, more critical. Yeah, so so let's dive in and talk about that because one of the things I had a question about, and Kyle and I were kind of doing some prep, was I, I hear a lot that um, at least on you know valves and regulators that what's inside the valve um, is the key to it. You get you know pressure drops and that causes freezing. Mm -hmm. But um, I was curious how much I guess the ambient temperature affects those areas as well. Somebody that is dealing with a freezing problem, at least in the oil and gas industry, is fighting one of three, one or a combination of three problems. One of them is ambient temperature, which if you have any of the other problems, it makes them a lot worse. And so whenever it's colder outside, yeah, absolutely. That's a, a big part of the problem. Uh, the other thing is just pressure differential. Uh, the driving force behind what's causing things to get colder is a thermodynamic phenomenon called the Joule-Thompson effect. Basically, you can just know that Whenever you lose pressure, you lose temperature. A uh, good rule of thumb is like about, I think, seven degrees for every 100 PSI that you lose. And so that's another thing. And sometimes if you have really high pressure, that by itself, even if it's warm outside, is enough. Like we do a lot of stuff in the Gulf that are in the tropics that you know doesn't get much cooler than 70 or 80 degrees. And you still have real big freezing problems just because the pressure drop is so high. And then the last thing is gas quality. And so if you have you know, natural gas is natural, right? Anybody that's worked in the business knows that there's a lot more than just pure methane coming out of the ground. And so all of the other stuff in there makes uh, any freezing problems that you're going to have a lot more prolific. So it's some combination of those three things is what's causing the freezing to happen. And so uh, most recently in Texas, uh, a lot of the gas they were dealing with in the power sector is pretty clean stuff. And so it's just the combination of pressure drop and then those insanely low temperatures that we weren't used to. Yeah. Uh, you, you ended up with a real bad recipe for a lot of problems. Yeah. So did you get a lot of calls? 
uh, you know, we, UPS and FedEx weren't running for about a week. And so we, we were limited on how we yeah. were able to help people, but we did get a lot of calls. But the one thing I think that's kind of a success story is we do a lot of work in the utility business. And so I called in and checked on like Atmos and Centerpoint and those guys and they, they stayed up, you know, and I think that because they were protected, it's kind of part of their normal MO of, sure. Hey, if we have these big uh, regulation stations and custody transfer the heater is just kind of built into it and so they were all prepared and uh, at least the, the utility folks that i talked to you know if they had gas available getting it from uh getting it distributed to people's homes was not a problem and so that was a pleasant surprise i was worried that that we might have run into problems in that part of the business since that was so critical to yeah. keeping people warm <laughs> yeah but fortunately uh fortunately that thankfully was not one of the problems that we saw. Yeah. Did you guys see any uptick in sales and uh, your space heaters? Um, or were people able to utilize that in any way to, to stay warm? It's interesting, you know, using a catalytic heater as a space heater is not as common kind of in our geography, you know, like, cause most of our stuff is outside, but you know, the places that have, uh, you know, way up north. And of course, that's what everybody was talking about is that it's like, well, up north, it gets really cold and they don't have these same problems. It's like, well, their stuff is indoors. And so indoors, you do have usually some kind of heating solution. And they're very often a catalytic heater that's heating your compressor stations and your measurement uh, sites. And, uh, and also, you know, even some stuff at the wellhead itself is also inside because it gets so cold up there. So in, in those cases, yeah, I think that the folks that are using space heaters are Will continue to do so and anybody that thought maybe it wasn't important i think that they might be convinced otherwise after this whole deal we get we get questions sometimes on our youtube channel or, or comments rather than questions like uh you know we'll do a repair video in our nice you know climate controlled studio and, and guys would be like yeah try that at negative 20 in north dakota you know i want to see you do it on the back of a tailgate when it's you know blizzard outside so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. You, you, you guys are the heroes we're just trying to help <laughs> yeah that's exactly right yeah. it's like this is not uh we are trying to equip you guys that are more prepared to do this kind of thing right it's like that's right. kyle's but, in the kyle's on these videos just like all right guys maybe you should just start putting a disclaimer on your training videos kyle just be like <laughs> like this 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 is performed in a climate controlled environment you know your right. your particular situation may require additional <laughs> uh, additional resources right yeah. yeah your environment has a a huge impact on on what you're doing yeah yeah exactly. I, I think i think it's just the gauntlet's been thrown and kyle needs to get out i mean we'll go west texas in august and you know, North Dakota in January and yeah. just do some on-site. Yeah. Kyle, that's what the people want to see, that's man. They want. they want these videos on location. Now that we're starting to open up, you can travel a little bit that's more. Right. It's like, dude, go, go see the, go see the guys up in Williston and, you know, yeah. go repair some of this stuff when it's, you know, next winter. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's, that wouldn't be too bad. I'd like to travel a little bit. Remember <laughs> travel. Oh, it's coming <laughs> back. guys. It's coming back. Yeah. All right, Kyle, your, your turn, man. How about him? All right. So uh, a couple technical questions that that I've gotten when doing, um, you know, training on CatCo, you know, for some of our customers. Um, I had somebody ask me, um, I was explaining to him how, how the heater functioned. And they asked me, what is, how can this thing not become consumed? You know, it's got no wearable parts on it. Uh, and so what, why is it not being consumed by this heat that's being generated? How is that pad able to survive all of that? Magic. 
And that's, right. that's I always say, that's black magic, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I not black magic. It's the, this is just, just a good, good kind of magic. Good guy. Um, so, I mean, it's a catalytic heater. And so when we're talking catalytic heater, obviously that means that a catalyst is present. And so a catalyst is just, in, in the case of the heater, it is a, um, it's, it's a platinum-based catalyst that is sprayed on the, on the face of the heater. And it facilitates the reaction that's happening. But it's not actually a, a product or a reactant of, of the chemical reaction. And so it's basically any a, a catalyst by definition, it's at the end of the reaction, it's the same as it was whenever it started. And so just the nature of a catalytic reaction is that it's not going to be consumed. And so um, you mentioned that there aren't any moving parts, and that's true. That's one of the things that makes them very robust and reliable. Like the, the only stuff that's inside a catalytic heater, if you're talking to folks that have never cracked one open and, and you know had cause to look inside, is that there's a resistive heating element. And if you've ever looked in the bottom of your dishwasher, it looks basically exactly the same, right? It's just a it's something that preheats the catalyst. It has to be the temperature of the catalyst has to be elevated for the reaction to start. And so that's all that that does. But that's a very simple device, right? It doesn't have any, you know, no gears or motors or anything, right? And so it, there's not a lot to break down or wear out. And then the rest of the stuff that's inside is that there's some materials that help spread the gas evenly across the face of the heater. So that catalyst is all of the catalyst across the face is getting kind of an even amount of gas to interact with oxygen and facilitate that reaction. Really, the only thing that like disrupts that is if that if physically something is keeping the gas from interacting with oxygen and the catalyst. And so we talked earlier about how natural gas is natural. And so people, typically people are putting other things uh, into the heater by, you know, virtue of using natural gas that are not going to, that, that, that eventually over time will kind of clog it, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, so let me, this is what I tell people about heaters wearing out and all that. So like, let's just say that hypothetically, you put a catalytic heater in a clean room in a lab and you gave it plenty of uh, oxygen and you gave it plenty of 100% pure, clean, dry methane. Once the reaction started, it would literally run forever. Like it would just continue to operate. Now, the further that you get away from those conditions, the shorter the useful life of your heater turns out to be. So how long it lasts, depends on how good is your gas supply, how clean is it, and how well can you protect the heater from the environment. So on the extreme end of the spectrum, if you're dealing with something that's offshore, you know, I mean, they'll sometimes have to be replaced once a year. Um, but if you're using really good, clean gas, I mean, we've gotten some back that have been operating in the field for, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Now, what is your suggestion for somebody operating in a field where they don't have clean gas? Uh, do you suggest using some kind of scrubber or something just to try to clean it up as much as possible? Or is there a specific product that you guys like to suggest to, to help with poor, cat, well, poor yeah. gas quality? It kind of depends on what the gas quality problem is that you're, that you're dealing with. One thing that does require a little special mention is if you're dealing with sulfur. Sulfur is one thing that can actually react a little bit with the catalyst. And so if you've got sour gas, then, you know, Getting getting as much of the sulfur out is going to mm -hmm. help that heater quite a bit. Um, but if you just if you have water problems or whatever, putting one of those you know mini scrubbers like you guys have on there. We also sell you know Kimray drip pots with them. That's another common thing that people use just to get the water knocked out. But yeah, whatever you can do to improve the condition of the gas that you're putting in is going to help it is going to help it last longer. 
And I've had a, a couple customers um, who have had really poor gas quality, and even with a scrubber, they weren't able to to knock everything out of it. Uh, and and so they determined that they were going to use propane. Can you talk a little bit about the conversion from using natural gas to propane and what all that entails? Yeah. So the the heater and you know, the catalyst material that's on there and the functionality and the way that it all works is the same, whether you're using propane or uh, natural gas. The only difference is that there is a um, particularly sized orifice that is put into the back of the heater. So if you've seen a CATCO heater, there's like this brass nipple that's on the back and we have an orifice that's drilled to the proper size for the fuel um, that's in the back. But if you were switching from natural gas to propane, all you would need to do is swap out the orifice for a different size one, which, you know, we can provide or your Kimray folks can provide for you or whoever. And you need a different regulator because it operates at 11 inches of water column instead of four and a half. But it's pretty simple. And like you said, it's a, the heaters can run on pretty nasty stuff. Um, but if you do end up in a situation where you just have stuff that's really bad, we have some people using propane. You know, that's a, you know, probably going to be a lot cleaner than whatever you're pulling out of the ground. That's for sure. Uh, one other thing I had was, uh, you know, we mentioned before, you know, high pressure differentials creating that temperature loss and mm-hmm. creating freezing problems. Uh, do you guys offer a product um, that can be used in situations like that where maybe you're staging uh, all these pressure drops and you've got one after the other, but you've got to heat the gas in between uh, each pressure cut? You know, if, if you're trying to drop by several thousand PSI, what would you suggest in an application like that for actually heating the, the, the flow media? Yeah, so heating what's going through there, you can do that. We have, uh, we call them pipeline packs. They're, it's an array of catalytic heaters that are directed just at the pipe. They're real, they're very modular in nature. And so you can talk to us about how much gas you're flowing and you know, in some cases, you'll see people stack up, you know, three or four of these things kind of in series in order to get enough heat. Um, and then they also come in a little bit different sizes. And it, um, so it, it's pretty customizable if you're trying to actually keep the gas. And that's particularly useful if you have cases where you're not flowing constantly. And so if you were to put a heater directly on your pressure reducing equipment, it might, you know, I mean, there's sometimes where gas isn't flowing through there and it might get too hot. A good solution for that would be just putting a pipeline pack upstream of it, and so heating up the gas before it goes in, rather than directly heating the uh, re- rather than directly heating the regulator. Okay. Did he answer all your questions, Kyle? I did. Wow, well, man, that's. I, I thought for sure we were going to stump the dummy here, man. <laughs> right. That's not an invitation for you to ask. No, <laughs> I was going to say, wow, okay, like, I'm ready now. <laughs> well, I mean, sure, 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 but it, you know, there's, um, you know, to that point, there's always. You, you guys work in this industry and you know, like every installation is often a little bit different somehow, right? And so we're always happy to talk to customers about their specific situation. You don't have to buy something that's necessarily directly off the shelf. We work with the Kimray, all of the Kimray stores on developing custom stuff. And, you know, I mean, we've, like I said before, we've been at this for 35 years. We've seen a lot in that time, right? And so, Whatever your weird situation is, we can probably take a look at it and find something that is going to work really well for you. Yeah. Now, let's say, uh, Travis, let's say a customer comes to you guys and they've got um, a regulator that um, has never had a CATCO built specifically for it. 
what's mm -hmm. the process like on getting a, a, a new box made to fit that specific valve? The, the first question that we're always going to ask is, you know, how, how quickly do you need it? That's the first step. Cause you know, yeah. we always encourage people to be proactive, but the, the most important thing is, is that we need to know what kind of timeline you're on so that we can get it to you as quick as, as you need it. But once we figure out, you know, the, the timeline and we get some information about the valve itself, um, you know, solid, you know, solid part files, you know, our uh, 3d models are always very helpful to help us design something that fits it really well. But, um, between us and your distributor, we, we, we get information about the valve. We look at the installation, make sure there's nothing that's blocking us from putting it on there. But, um, usually comes down to a couple of conversations, uh, amongst the customer or distributor and the folks here at Catco that are doing the design work. And, uh, however quickly you need it, we'll, we'll get it to you. <laughs> so it's, yeah. uh, but you know, the other thing too, is that once we, there's a lot of people that think that they've never had a Catco box on it, but over the years, like I said, we've done hundreds of them. And so sometimes we have something ready to go that we can get out really quickly if needed. Uh, one, one other thing, uh, Kyle and I were talking about earlier was how is it be, okay. So how are they approved for hazardous locations? Is it that resistance mm. and catalytic heater element that, yeah, so that, that that is a good question because that's one that we get a lot. And so the, the the I guess probably the best way for me to tell you because a common thing people ask is it's like, hey, this thing is hot. Right. It's it's a heat source that is combusting gas. Like obviously I can't have like a flame out in a hazardous area. So why is it safe to have this catalytic heater out there? Well, the the characteristics of the reaction that is happening is that the temperature is a lot lower on a catalytic heater than it is if you were just burning a flame right with a lighter or something. Um, the way that the agencies test the heaters to make sure that they're safe is that they'll start a heater up, they'll put it into this chamber, and then they start pumping in all this heptane, which is has a very low explosion temperature. And basically they make sure that the, the heater is not going to serve as an ignition source for this very explosive gas. And that's the way that they bet that there's nothing weird going on with the heater that's going to actually serve as an ignition source for the type of environments that you're putting them in. And so that's the way that the heater reaction itself has been vetted to make yeah. sure that it's safe for hazardous areas. Um, and then the electrical protection is that there is an explosion proof junction box on the back. And so as long as you are installing it, you know, appropriately, then there's no, uh, there, there's no explosion risk from the electrical. And, a lot of folks, you know, you're only connecting the electric to it whenever you're starting it up, like via a truck battery or something. And then after that, it's disconnected. And so, I mean, it is important to make sure that you're making that connection outside of a hazardous area. But once it's up and running, there is no electrical that's usually on. And so, but even if you did have it on all the time, it's, you know, it's been appropriately rated explosion proof junction box and all that. Very cool. I didn't know about that process. All right. Anything else, Kyle? That was all I had. Travis, anything else you want to get across, man? I mentioned to you guys that we really want to be hassle-free, right? Like that, we we know that the, the freezing thing is just this huge hassle and this huge pain. And so, uh, you know, to that end, to make it even simpler, something that we're working on now is providing an automated option for the heaters. And so that way you can set it to start and stop based on a certain temperature. There's going to be um, remote communication. You can tie it into your whatever data system that you have and um so that's getting really close to being done and so we're going to be very excited to get that out and 
the good thing is, is that even if you have an existing unit, we're going to be able to retrofit it to where we can outfit it with that automated controller. So that way it's, it makes starting and stopping just this automatic thing that can be done. Uh, just kind of set it, forget it sort of a deal. Yeah, very cool. Well, let's definitely have you back on when that's ready. Uh, that sounds great. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. I'd love to talk to you guys about that too. Well, I enjoyed it, Travis. Uh, where can folks connect to you, learn more about CatCo if they want to? Well, of course, you can always uh, visit our website. We are www.catcousa.com. Uh, so you can visit us on the website. You can, of course, talk to your CatCo distributor. And so if you're ever talking to any of the folks in the Kim Ray stores, we know all those guys really well, and we have other distributors around the country. And then, you know, hey, you can call us at the factory too, 972-563-8065. You call us up, you will talk to a real human being that will be able to talk to you about CatCo. And uh, we love talking to customers and helping them solve problems. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then also, you know, social media stuff to LinkedIn, Facebook and all that. And now on podcast. Yeah. And now right. on podcast. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, enjoyed it, Travis. Thanks, Kyle. And uh, we'll have links to, to CatCo and some of the things that we talked about as well in the show notes for this episode. And we'll catch you next time on Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production.